It's time for Silver and Black Today Game Day. We're breaking down the Raiders' upcoming game and bring you in-depth analysis from National Football Insiders. Let's get the nation fired up. Here are your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. Silver and Black Today Game Day here on the Bet 1140 and the Fan 98.5 HG2 here in Las Vegas. Thanks for joining us. Mo Moten, Scockle Branson, back with you. Just a few days after, oh, what a Thanksgiving. The Raiders get off, as Mo would call it, the schneid. They end the three-game <laughs> losing streak. They win in overtime down in the Big D at the house that Jerry built, 36-33 to over the Cowboys. And, Mo, uh, this was something this Raider team had to have. They had to come out of Dallas with a win to get back to a place where they felt good about themselves, to get back to a place where they executed better, they played better complementary football. We still saw some ugliness, but it doesn't matter. It's a W, and that's what matters for Raider Nation if they want to stay in this playoff hunt in the AFC. Man, Scott, I had my warm potato salad. I had my ham. <laughs> I had my mac and cheese. I thought they were going to give me heartburn because I'm thinking, you no, know, wait, if I the got, Reds lose this game. Well, I got to bring this up, though, too, because that, that meme was going around about what would you eliminate from your Thanksgiving <laughs> meal. Now, I, I'm a huge Thanksgiving guy, right? And every five years, I'm fortunate my birthday's on Thanksgiving, as it was this year. Um, Happy belated and, birthday. And I love turkey. What's wrong with you? You don't like turkey? I'm not huge on turkey. I'll take ham before I'll take turkey. Now I don't hate turkey. <laughs> turkey is kind of like you know I'll take it if you if you're offering it, but I, you're not going to hear me asking for it. I understand. And That's you know what's funny is my entire family feels the same way. I am the only one who <laughs> sticks. So like last year, I actually smoked a bunch of meat. I smoked some pork shoulder, some ribs, some brisket, and the family loved it. So this year, I think they gave in to me, Mo, and I actually won out because it was only because it was my birthday. Now next year, we'll go back and they'll, <laughs> they will veto the turkey again. I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of that. Now, did you have the famous Moten family rainbow cake? I didn't this time. Oh. I had red velvet cake. Okay, yeah, that, that Q's counts. gonna make fun of me. Q, Q's gonna call me bougie for this. <laughs> he did last year when we were on the other station. Yeah, but uh, he, you know, he said if you have red velvet cake on Thanksgiving, you're a bougie. Basically, you're an upper middle class bourgeoisie. How dare person. you? I'm just like, hey, listen. I'm like, listen. Okay, it's a family <laughs> tradition. We either have the chocolate color cake or we have red velvet, and we went with red velvet this year, and I enjoyed it. I love that, man. That's for, good. Just, just for Q out there. Just That's for Q good. Out there. I but. went. True story. So my wife, because we have uh, in our family birthdays, like it's very heavy from September through November. We have uh, uh, four birthdays between November fifth, November fourth, and December fifth. It's it's two of my sons, me and my wife, all within four weeks, right? So the birthday cake thing gets really old. I happen to love birthday cake, but at the same time, I was like, this year, you know, I'm going to give my family a break because they're giving in on the turkey, as I mentioned just a second ago. And so I told my wife, she said, what do you want for your birthday? I said, you know what I'd like? A banana cream pie. So I'm thinking, you know, banana cream pie, that's easy to come by, right? So in here, since we moved to Ohio, my wife had to like drive all over Cincinnati proper. No one had banana cream pie. And I said, that's probably because Mo has an investment in all those places because he hates pie. <laughs> but no, she finally found one. So we had we had pie. I also had pumpkin pie, though, and we made some apple cake. And so now I'm going to go out jogging. But nonetheless, we'll get back to Raider football. Um, I, really quick, yes. I, I do have one. I have one Thanksgiving confession that I haven't put out on Twitter. And uh -oh. I don't know if I want to put this out on Twitter. 
I, you know, I, as people know, I'm I'm an African American male. Wait, and usually African American males. It, you didn't know that people you're, you're African American. <laughs> I guess people thought I was I don't know Peruvian or something. No, I don't knows? know, who but um, most African American people love candy yams. I hate candied yams. Really, I, it's disgusting. It is disgusting my whole family loves it and I, don't get me wrong people say oh if you don't like candy yams because you've been around people who don't know how to make it no my family knows how to make it we're from the south <laughs> and they all love it they pass it around all the time they eat it and i'm just like get the candy yams away from me out off the table out of the house because i so, think it's disgusting so, i just wanted to put that out there so first of all i did not know that like you know there's always every every kind of ethnic group or race they there's 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 these um um what do you call them? why am i forgetting the word now uh there's these preconceived notions about what they like right so my wife's hispanic so anything that's fruit related whether it be fruit flavored soda or whatever she's supposed to like that right because she's hispanic right we have these these uh these these things that people talk about i didn't know that that african americans are, are supposedly love candied yams, so I'm learning something new. Uh, but when you say candied yams, does that mean you don't like yams at all, or you don't like them the way they're made by your family? I just don't like yams at all. Like oh. I'm not, I'm not into sweet foods. Like if I'm gonna have a dessert, I'm just, I'm just gonna go with <laughs> cake and ice cream, like yeah. cookies, brownies. I like, I like traditional desserts. People like the, to mix this. Blur the lines between sweet and savory foods, and I'm like, no, I get the candy, <laughs> get the candy yams out of here. If I want something sweet, I'll have cake, I'll have ice cream, I'll have cookies, I'll have brownies. Yeah. But when I'm eating food, regular a plate of food, give me the ham, give me the mac and cheese, the savory, give me the, give me the dressing, right? Give me, give me the traditional stuff, the food, food. And it's funny, we're supposed to be talking about football here on Silver and Black today, game day, <laughs> but we don't have a game today, uh, and we are recapping the Raiders' last two games. We'll get to it in a second. But that's what I tell my my wife makes these salads, right, and she does this amazing job of making these great salads when we have them and she puts fruit in them and i say no fruit does not belong inside i do not want oranges in salad i do not want strawberries i do not want cranberries in my salad i know you don't like cranberries anyway but but it's kind of like but then every once in a while i'll have a salad because i'm out at a a work function or something and there's a strawberry and i'm like that's not bad but i don't want to give it and tell my wife so uh it's one of those things but now that you have all our food takes and if you follow mo on twitter by the way at <laughs> mo moton m-o-e-m-o-t-o-n you will get lots of these food takes um especially when it comes to candy corn you didn't you didn't comment by the way on my birthday cake mayo picture that i posted for you Did you, you know that? i saw that I, I saw that i must have been half sleep i didn't i didn't know what that was I didn't but either. just seeing just just seeing you know mayo be associated with cake is it made me vomit yes. maybe one of vomit it's got to be say, fake but, I, I i don't oh, believe it the internet you know you can't trust everything on the internet that's what abraham lincoln said so um <laughs> nonetheless uh, <laughs> the meme time uh back to the raiders mo so we're off the food kick mm-hmm. the raiders had uh daniel carlson wearing a cowboy hat by the way had his big turkey leg on thursday night after the Raiders' big win, Derek Carr, 24-39, 373 yards, one touchdown. We're going to talk more about Carr in the second segment, by the way. Josh Jacobs rushes 22 times, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Hunter Renfro, Mo, eight catches, 134 yards. But to me, the most important guy on the field for the Raiders offensively was Deshaun Jackson, who goes for three catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. You wrote a piece about players that needed to step up their game and be a part of the offense for this team to win going forward, and one of those guys was Deshaun Jackson, was it not? 
Yeah, it was because it puzzled me after the Cincinnati Bengals loss. They asked Rich, Rich Passaccia about you know, why wasn't Deshaun Jackson targeted? Why was he not involved in at all in that game? And basically he said, we have packages for him. We have situations where he can make big plays. It just didn't work out that way. And I, and I just, it baffles me sometimes how some of these, I'm not calling out reporters, but when he says something like that, you're supposed to follow up and go, why? Why right. wasn't he involved? He can't right. just say, well, yeah, he wasn't involved. We had packages, but we didn't use them. Well, why? You know? <laughs> and, and and I just, it, it just left me scratching my head. And it was a relief to see him involved Thursday because to me, and I said this multiple times on the show, he is the perfect replacement for Henry Ruggs because he can give you exactly what Henry Ruggs gave that offense. And as I mentioned before, Henry Ruggs is only catching three to four balls per game when the Raiders offense is humming. And that's what basically Deshaun Jackson gave you on Thursday. And four, he was targeted four times, came down, as you said, with three catches, 102 yards and a touchdown. Now, the other thing is when he's not catching big passes for big, for big plays, he can draw some PIs and people still respect his speed. He's going to turn 35 years old December 1st. And people have been asking me, well, he's in his mid thirties now. Do people still respect his speed? Does he still have the speed? Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm 35 years old. I still have a little speed. Okay. I may not run a four, three, four, but I think I can edge a four, four. If I wanted to, if I trained a little bit, cause I, you know, I was in the track when I was younger, I could still run a four, four. I'm 35 years old. Okay, so Deshaun Jackson is in shape. He's still in the game. He's still playing. You still have to respect his speed, and that was pretty much evident Thursday night. I think you can get to a 4-3 if there's red velvet cake on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I agree with you, and that's the thing. When A lot of Raider fans, not all of them, not a massive amount, but a lot of Raider fans kind of poo-pooed the signing of Deshaun. Oh, he's old. He's washed. It's like, mm -hmm. he's not yep. washed. The guy, I mean, listen, if you saw, and I watched the the the, the all 22 of him from last week against the Bengals when he was in there uh, and they used him, the speed and the burst are there. Like, yeah, he might not sustain it as long as he did when he was 29 years old or 28 years old, but he still got the speed enough. And you saw it in the Dallas game multiple times because that's why Brown committed for PII penalties because Deshaun Jackson was blowing by him. And you know what else? When there was one pass, when I believe in overtime, I believe Derek Carr threw to Zay Jones. It might have been fourth quarter, but he threw to Zay Jones, and Zay Jones kind of double covered, and Deshaun Jackson was on the other side of the field. He was calling for the ball or flag, one of the two. But I felt like if he had thrown the ball to Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson would have drawn another P.I. And it just yep. goes to show you that play, defenders are still terrified of his speed. Mm -hmm. And and even at his age, he's still a burner. And, that's, and again, that goes back to my point. This is why he is the perfect replacement for Henry Ruggs. Is he as fast as Henry Ruggs? Probably not. But he's still one of the fastest players in this league. And he can still take the top of a defense, which opens up the middle of the field. And that, that's exactly what I wrote about. And I felt like if the Raiders offense is going to get back on track, he had to be a key part of the passing attack. And he was. And you saw the results. Yeah, absolutely. Including that 56-yard touchdown. Zay Jones uh, also checked in five catches, 59 yards. You mentioned Darren Waller, two catches, 33 yards. Of course, Darren Waller, Mo, lost to what they have said is a bone bruise on his knee. Um, now, they did okay without Darren Waller in the game. There's no question. He is the best offensive player on the field for Las Vegas. If Darren Waller misses extended time, how much will that hurt the Raiders' chances to make a push for the playoffs? It'll definitely hurt because 
when you lose a player during the game and you just on the fly, sometimes the defense doesn't have enough time to kind of counter or adjust to what you the adjustments that you made. But when a team comes into a game knowing Darren Wall is not playing, so they go, okay, Darren Wall is not playing. We don't have to worry about him. So now we can focus on Deshaun Jackson. We can focus on Hunter Renfro. We can focus on shutting down these screen passes they throw to their running backs. We can focus on Brian Edwards. So when you give team time to focus, and this is why sometimes teams don't release, they try to hold back some of their injury information because they want the opposition to kind of guess who's going to be on the field and how much they're going to play. So again, if Darren Waller is not able to suit up against Washington or he misses a few games, it's going to be a blow to their push. But I still believe... With a quarterback like Derek Carr, you still have enough weapons to get the job done. Now, you need your defense to not give up so many points. I know they also gave up a special teams kickoff return, but you need your defense to tighten up. And if you can keep a team under 28 points, I believe an offense can get it done. You have Zay Jones coming along, had his best game as a Raider, in my opinion, five catches, 59 yards. You have Hunter Renfro, who went well over 100 yards. Brian Edwards, I still feel he needs to be more consistent because mm-hmm. – I wrote in my piece a week ago that the Raiders had a first-round grade on Brian Edwards. They felt like he was going to be a starter in his second year. He is, of course, but he has to he has to show more development because he's the type of guy he could stretch the field and you could give it to him on those 50-50 balls. He can out-muscle defenders and he could be a consistent threat on third down. So I think they have to get him going, especially if Darren Wall is going to be out. Yeah, I think Brian Edwards, I mean, you still see some of his issue being separation, right? He's right. got all the tools. He's got the size and maybe just maybe he's relying too much on his, his hands and his size. He thinks he's going to get to the ball and it's just not, he's not getting separation. He's not getting the looks from Derek Carr as much as he could have if he could get that separation. So certainly something they'll need to work on probably when they get to the offseason. Mo, before we go to our first break, the other thing I want to mention, the defense, of course, uh, played well. You saw Yannick Ngakwe again playing really well. Solomon Thomas was a beast in this game. He had an amazing game. Uh, The other thing I want to give the defense credit for, Mo, all season long, this Raiders defense, as much as they've gotten better to be that middle-of-the-pack group, they have just been horrible against the run. They gave up just um, uh, 40, 64 60. yards. Excuse me, I had to look at my numbers. 64 yards against this Dallas team, including with Ezekiel Elliott and um, with um, um, oh my Tony gosh. Pollard. Thank you, Tony Pollard. Hello, <laughs> hello. See, Thanksgiving got to me already. Um, Pollard was that turkey. It was a turkey. See, Pollard ten. ten Wow. 10 rushes for 36 yards. Elliott just nine rushes for 25 yards. Um, that was a huge game for them and, and for that defensive front. When they are rolling inside and outside, uh, they can pretty much play with anybody. Yeah, the Raiders gave up at least 112 yards in all but two games this season. Right. And that is because, one, because the Kansas City Chiefs didn't have to run the ball because Patrick Mahomes is so effective throwing it. But the one thing I did worry about the Raiders coming to this game is, you know, is is Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, are they going to run for 200-plus, 250-plus right. yards? Now, I know Ezekiel Elliott was banged up. He had a knee injury. But, that, you know, we're not going to give any excuses or passes to anyone because no one's going to give it to the Raiders. But we felt like that run defense could be shredded, and they, and they held firm. And you hope that you have some of that balance between the pass rush and the run defense going down the stretch because you have to play the Cleveland Browns. You have to play the Indianapolis Colts. As I mentioned, people laugh at the Broncos, but Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are now playing well as a tandem. 
the Raiders are going to have to defend the run. So I think this is a good momentum boost for their interior defensive line, uh, having a great game against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mentioned Jonathan Hankins, too. I mean, they had a great game. Uh, Denzel Perryman again, uh, of course, with another big game. You talked about Nate Hobbs in the defensive backfield as well. Uh, and you can't forget Jonathan Abram, who had the terrible game two games ago against the Chiefs, really recovered, played well. He did get burned a couple times when he was in coverage, but again, he's not good in coverage. That's not what he does best. Right. And people are talking about John Abram throughout the whole game. I think he's pretty much a lightning rod now. Now, I don't think he's going to get a second contract. I don't think mm -hmm. they're going to exercise his fifth-year option. But I said this during – I tweeted this during Thursday's game. You always want John Abram going downhill. You yes. never want him backpedaling coverage in space because, as you said, that is not his strong suit. He's not going to cover anybody. He couldn't cover my grandmother. She was living right now. <laughs> you want him going downhill because he actually made a pretty good play. The Cowboys are going for a two-point conversion early in the game, and he made a clean stop, just him on a solo tackle. And you're like, that's that's where he's good. That's where he's great. Now, he'll whiff on a tackle or two here and there. A guy will stiff arm him, put him into the ground. But for the most part, you want him going downhill because he can make those open field clean tackles. He can. So, yeah, the Raiders defense, again, did a great job of keeping the team in the game when the offense did falter at times. And we're going to when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that because the Raiders still struggled in the red zone. They still struggled in third down. We'll also talk about Derek Carr, who had a great game. For those people who love to talk Derek Carr, they let you know about it after the game as well. And they still are today. Uh, but we're going to talk about the future of Derek Carr with the Raiders as well. This is Momo and Scott Brands, and this is Silver and Black Today game day only on the bet 1140 and the fan 98.5 hd2 here in las vegas don't go anywhere raider nation will be back right after this message Silver and Black Today, game day is on. Welcome back. Happy Sunday to you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I know if you're a member of Raider Nation, you had a great Thanksgiving. Yes, it took forever because of the ridiculously terrible NFL officials, but the Raiders win in overtime 36-33 over the Dallas Cowboys. I'm Scott Branson, joined by my broadcast partner here, co-host, national senior writer, of the NFL on Bleacher Report. That is Mr. Mo Moten. And Mo, we come back, Derek Carr. Derek Carr had a bounce back game. Of course, he went uh, 30, or excuse me, 24 of 39 for 373 yards and the touchdown. Uh, and boy, after the game, as I was cleaning up the kitchen, uh, getting ready to turn in for the night uh, after a long and just beautiful Thanksgiving with my family, um, I had to endure the social media onslaught that is the Derek Carr PR machine. Not only members of the press, uh, but also the fans in social media just doing victory laps, telling everybody how he is the greatest quarterback to ever live and see all you haters can eat it, right? Um, and I get that. It's, it's sort of like I said on our Friday show down in Southern California. 
It's like the Republican Democrat argument in politics. You can never, there's nobody ever in the middle. They're just polarized. So the people who love him, when he has a great game, they're first ones to go online and say, ah, 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 see, he's awesome. See, we were right. And then the people who hate him when he had a game like he had against the Kansas City Chiefs or see like he's trash, he needs to go, blah, blah, blah. And of course, as we always say, the truth is somewhere in the middle. But certainly Derek Carr benefited a better offensive line. Uh, He benefited from the game. Game plan, which got Deshaun Jackson involved, as we talked about in segment one, uh, and also those penalties that resulted from that that involvement of Deshaun Jackson going downfield. But, Mo, you look at Derek Carr, and we talked about this last week before the Bengals game. Uh, but, I look, I, I said this to somebody online uh, on Thursday. Derek Carr, we know who he is after eight years. I don't think there's any question on what he is, what he can do when he's given the opportunity to perform uh, and have the weapons around him that he needs, which he currently has. Uh, but yet there still continues to be this back and forth, not only in the fan base, but amongst people who cover the NFL. I don't think it's ever going to go away. But you look at the game in Dallas, you look at the last three weeks during the the losing streak, um, I don't think it's a guarantee that he's back. That's not because I don't like the guy or think he's a good quarterback. I'm looking at it from a business perspective, Mo. So when we talk about the long-term viability of Derek Carr married with the Raiders, how do we go about that? If you're a fan of his and you really like him and you want him to be a Raider, what do you say to those people to say, hey, you have to look past whether you like him and whether he's a good quarterback and look at where the team is going, right? Yeah, we're stepping into a beehive here, but <laughs> I always tell people uh, <laughs> when you're evaluating Derek Carr, let, let's just get one thing out of the way. Seems like a great human being. I don't know Derek Carr personally, but just hearing him says all the right things. Seems like, a, again, a great human being, but you have to separate that from the player. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of fans get emotionally involved with sports, obviously, because they're emotionally invested fans. And they're emotionally invested in the quarterback. But when I evaluate Derek Carr, when I look at his resume, I'm not judging the person. I'm judging the player. And to your point about how we get this back and forth, it seems every two or three weeks is a back and forth of one side gets to pound their chest and say, see, Derek Carr ain't the answer. This is year eight. We're not getting anything else. This is who he is. We got to move on. We got to, We got to improve. We got to upgrade. And then the next two weeks, you get the group, the other side of the group saying, see, this is why we can't get rid of Derek Carr. You see what he did with the limited weapons he had? You can win with Derek quarterback. Derek Carr is at quarterback. And I, and I agree with that. You mm-hmm. don't need an A-plus quarterback. But to me, if you're going to evaluate the position, it all depends on who is available. So a lot of people have been asking me, is Derek Carr the quarterback at the start of the 2022 season? And I tell them, I don't know for two reasons. Number one, they're still... There's still a lot of games left to be played, right? We have mm-hmm. six games left in the season. Last year, I put out an article saying that Derek Carr had a lot to prove down the stretch, and people came at my neck saying, how <laughs> dare you? Because this is at the point where the Raiders look like a playoff team and Derek Carr is playing great. And what happened down the stretch? Fell apart. Obviously, the defense is a lot to blame there, but Derek Carr didn't play great down the stretch either. And people go, oh, well, you know, we got we to move on. And I'm like, see, this is why you wait till the season ends. You don't make a judgment. Don't make any sweeping judgments about – an important position as the quarterback position in week 11, in week 12. You wait to the end of the season and see what happens because post-Thanksgiving, that's a crucial stretch. That's when your stars have to step up. That's when you need your quarterback to put his cape on if he needs to and lead his team to victories. If he can't do that, if he falls apart in the big moments, then you have to rethink the position. If he can, then you say, okay, we can win with this guy. The other thing is, as I said, who is available? I, I, I'm i just going to say this on the show Sunday. 
I don't think Russell Wilson is going to be back in Seattle. Mm. I, I I have a I have a I have a feeling that if the Green Bay Packers don't win the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be back in Green Bay. So let's say those two guys are available. And if you remember the rumors from Russell Wilson uh, last offseason or this past offseason, the Raiders were listed as one of the teams he's interested in. If Russell Wilson says he wants to play for the Raiders and you have Derek Carr who's going to be asking for a new contract, do you get Russell Wilson if it's feasible? Let's say the Seattle Seahawks, you can give, you could swap Derek Carr for Russell Wilson and still not mortgage your future with a bunch of first round picks. Do you upgrade it with Russell Wilson? If Aaron Rodgers wants to play for the Raiders, do you upgrade that? I know Aaron Rodgers is up there in age, closer to 40 than 35, but if you can get two good years out of Aaron Rodgers where he can get you to the Super Bowl with a roster that you have now, do you go get Aaron Rodgers? And I think that's what the GM of the Raiders is going to have to think about, whether it's Mike Mayock or somebody else. Do you stick with Derek Carr or do you try or you think you have an upgrade with Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers if those two guys are available? Right. And the the way you're and I, I want to make this clear because I know some of you are already are punching into your Twitter <laughs> app on your phone how terrible Mo is for saying this. But but I'll say I'll say this. Two things. One is that's not saying Derek Carr is not a good quarterback. It just becomes no. is he a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers or, or Russell Wilson? I don't believe he right. is. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. I'm saying it again. Because mm -hmm. um, they're going to get you. They, they're going right. to say, oh, you think Derek Carr is trash, but go ahead. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. But there is better, there, there are better quarterbacks than Derek Carr, right? Everybody's got to admit that. He's, mm -hmm. not, he's not the number one quarterback in the league or he'd be the MVP. So, right. so that's fine. So taking that under consideration, if you can upgrade at any position, you do it. Okay, so there's number one. Number two, the other side of that, Mo, is this. In the NFL, and I think I said this to you last week, in the NFL... In today's NFL, if you're looking for a quarterback, it's already too late. Okay, which means that means that it doesn't matter if you have Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers got mad when they when they um, drafted Love and they did all that uh, in in Green Bay, right? But the Green Bay Packers, as an organization, did the right thing. They have a quarterback who's reaching a certain age, and I know Derek Carr's younger, but Derek Carr is now going to be after this season nine years in. You know what you have. You have to start thinking about the future because when a player gets to his ninth year, even as a quarterback. And don't go by age, go by the number of years in the NFL and the abuse that your body takes and, and all of that, okay? You have to start, the Raiders have to think about a new quarterback now. They can't wait till Derek Carr's performance falls off so much that it is a, an imperative that they do it right away, okay? So you have to stay ahead of the curve. So the Raiders have to be in, a, in the market for a new quarterback right away. There's none coming out in the draft that are that worthy, okay? So this year is going to be horrible draft year for young quarterbacks out of college. So you can't go that route. So to me, Mo, if you can't get a Russell Wilson or if you can't get a an improvement over Derek Carr, you do also have to deal with the question, in my view, if you're the GM, whether it's Mike Mayock or somebody else and whoever the coach is, you have to then ask yourself, okay, we have a good team right now. Is it a championship qualifier team? Not yet. Is it a terrible team? Of course not. It's not a it's not a teardown roster. It is a roster you need to improve. You have good pieces there. Okay. If that's the case, do we then not pay $40 million for a quarterback going into his ninth year and instead go get somebody, depending again on availability, who can come in and play, be a good quarterback? Maybe they're as good as Derek Carr or they're a little, yeah, a little bit below that, uh, but can get us along. Uh, and then we go out and develop a young quarterback and we make a longer-term plan. I think there's a lot of those scenarios on the table. You're absolutely right. And the other factor that I want to make note of here is 
how much is Derek Carr going to ask for? Now, I know the Raiders have cleared a lot of money off the books for next year, so they'll be able to accommodate him. But let's say he's asking for a number that they're not comfortable paying him long term. You know, that could also turn the, turn the front office and say, maybe we, we can get another option out there. And again, I'm not saying Derek Carr is not a good quarterback. I'm saying that you have to you have to keep all your options open and seeing who's who's the best available quarterback for this football team in this situation. The other thing is that Marcus Mariota is going to be off the books. I'm, you know, I, I don't think Nathan Peterman is going to be back or whatever. So they're going to have to get a backup quarterback anyway. Mm -hmm. So to your point is they're going to have to get a guy they, to groom behind Derek Carr regardless because because they, their backup position is going to be wide open. Now, again, people are going to jump down my throat and say, you're you're bashing Derek Carthur what he did on Thanksgiving. How ungrateful. <laughs> how dare you? And I'm not, I'm not saying that. I think Derek Carr is slightly outside the top 10. I think he's, I think he's 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. And you can go to the Super Bowl and win with a quarterback in that range. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers went with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I have Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> as a top 25, top 20 quarterback. So, again, you can win with Derek Carr. The question is, what is your best option? Mm -hmm. And I have Derek Carr as a B-plus quarterback. But if you can get an A-minus, if you can get an A quarterback, you damn near sure better do it. Well, and, and that brings up the question, and I'm not advocating for this, but you look at you look at a guy like, and, and, and if you go to the scenario of, okay, yeah, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, whoever is available, that, that, is, that, that would be considered a better quarterback than Derek Carr. Okay, that's one way. But if you go the other route and you say, listen, Derek, we love you, but we're not going to pay you $40 million a year, okay? So, right. so they make that tough choice and they decide to move on because of financial reasons, okay? I'm not saying they're going to, but let's say they do. Then there's guys like Andy Dalton, and I know people are like, oh, Andy, you're saying replace Derek Carr with Andy Dalton. <laughs> but, but when you look at Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton's got playoff wins, by the way. Um, and, and against the, the Detroit Lions, who I know are awful, he had very similar 24-39, same as Derek Carr, 317 yards, a touchdown. He did have one terrible interception. But my point is, is that if you feel like you're close and you need to develop a guy, you can do that. So I think these are all really tough decisions. I'm not advocating for one direction or another. Now, if you said to me, your scenarios, Mo, about Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson in, in a heartbeat to me, like that, that I... On the younger version or a, 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 a bridge quarterback while they develop a young quarterback, I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying these are the decisions, and I want fans to understand it's not just whether or not the quarterback is good. You have to consider the long-term impacts from a contract and a team perspective as well. And so I don't know where the Raiders will be. I know Mark Davis loves Derek Carr. So if Mark Davis doesn't see through that and think that it's a problem three years down the line that they don't have a new quarterback yet – then Derek Carr could be back at $40 million. I don't know. Or if he leads them into the AFC Championship game this year, which seems highly improbable, but let's say it happens, then all bets are off the table, okay? But I do think fans can't get all upset and in their feelies every time you discuss the future of the team at any position. It's late, Scott. They they are they're already sending us hate mail. Our Twitters are already probably blowing up right now in the hearing. Even this. though it's Sunday, morning. Mo and Scott hate Derek Carr. They hate Derek Carr, and I just I just want to be clear about something. Let's say Derek Carr just to be just to throw out a positive side of this. Let's say Derek Carr ends the season the same way he started it, on fire, leading the Raiders mm -hmm. these wins that people didn't think would happen. I have no problem with giving Derek Carr a big contract and him being the quarterback if he shows it. He has to earn it though. I'm not just going to give it to him based on what he's done thus far, because as we saw in the last two seasons, it's fallen apart in a critical stretch. To me, he's got to lead his team to the playoffs. And to me, he's got to play well in that playoff game. Yeah. Even if he loses, he's got to be the reason that they had a chance to win it. Yeah. 
If they lose a shootout 42 to 41, I get it. And Derek Carr throws for six touchdowns. I get it. You know what I'm saying? But he has he he has to earn it. I'm not gonna give it to him because he's a good human and he wants to be a Raider for life and he wants to retire as a Raider and he's been the best quarterback the Raiders have had in the past I don't know how many years because those are the reasons that people are giving me. Oh, you remember the quarterbacks that we had before Carr? We we gotta be grateful. And I and I and I tell people that mentality. Get you stuck in a rut. Yes. You can't be afraid Absolutely. to upgrade if the upgrade is there. Just because something is better than what you used to have doesn't mean that you can't strive for better even after that. Right. You can't be afraid to upgrade if it's there. And, I, and I'm just saying, Derek Carr, if he earns it, you give him the contract and you move forward with him. If he doesn't, you keep your options open. Uh, you said it right, Mo, and that is earns it, right? And you don't mm-hmm. earn it because you pass for a boatload of yards. <laughs> or, or because, you know, your name is up there with Tom Brady because of the number of touchdowns you've passed. You have to, you have to win ball games, okay? You have to win games. And, and, and here's the thing. I'm just going to go on the soapbox for like 30 seconds that we have left in this segment. I don't want to hear excuses. Do you think, for those younger Raider fans who weren't around when Al Davis was alive and vibrant, do you think Al Davis would stand for any damn excuse for why a quarterback doesn't win. No, he wouldn't. He would not. I don't care if it was all his fault. He still wouldn't accept it, okay? So so this crap about, well, Derek Carr hasn't had this. I, I'm not saying that he has had the perfect life and, and direction in football around the Raiders. The Raiders, listen, I, I saw people that I really like and care about make fun of the fact that every season we got to watch the Lions play on Thanksgiving because they're such a horrible organization, right? But then I'm like, but you're a Raider fan. Like, no offense, but the Raiders had their golden age. But let me tell you, that was a long time ago. So let's let's put into context here, no excuses. It's a win and loss game. You can be a wonderful quarterback and put up all kinds of stats and be a great person. If you don't win, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, okay? And I'm not talking about winning a Super Bowl. I'm just talking about winning and getting there. Okay, Dan Marino, Dan Fouts, all kinds of guys have been there and not won the big game, but they they did win consistently and get into the playoffs. So it's one of those things. But anyway, that's our discussion on Derek Carr. You can hate on us. He is at (laughs) M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Just give the addresses away. I'm not giving mine away. I am at LV Gully. But (laughs) but no, bring it because we don't accept excuses. I don't care who you are, where you come from. Don't come with excuses. You can come with disagreements, but not excuses, please. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll close out this edition of Silver and Black Today Game Day only on the Bet 1140 and the fan here in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere, Red Nation. Nation is fired up. It's silver and black today, game day. Welcome back to this non-game day, silver and black today, game day here on 1140 The Bet and The Fan in Las Vegas. He is Mo Moten, national NFL senior writer for Bleacher Report. I am Scott Branson. We are your hosts here, and we are basking with all of you in the great win for the Raiders on the road in Dallas on Thanksgiving just a few days ago. 36 to 33. The Raiders moved to six and five. If you look at the NFL standings now, they are just a little bit ahead, a game ahead of the Denver Broncos, who will play the Chiefs coming up 
uh, on next Sunday, uh, and as well as the Chargers, who are playing uh, later today as well. And if you look at the AFC picture, uh, playoff picture, Mo, uh, the Raiders, you know, you look at their schedule going down the stretch. Washington, of course, next week, next Sunday, a week from today here in Las Vegas, before having to go to the friendly or unfriendly confines of Kansas City and Arrowhead Stadium in the cold weather and then followed up on the 18th of the month in December, right before Christmas, on the road in Cleveland, which is also freezing. Um, This team has got to put it together and keep it together going down the stretch. It's not going to get any easier for Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, definitely. If they want to make a playoff push, I'll just put this out there now. I think they have to win two of their last three games within the division. That yeah. means they got they got Kansas City, they got Denver, and then they got the Chargers in the season finale. They have to win two of those. I feel if they want to make the playoffs, and they have to beat either the Browns or the Colts, who are both in the hunt for a wild card spot. Now, of course, you want to win all of those games. Now, that's the perfect scenario. But if you're saying bare minimum, you got to win two of your next three AFC West battles, and you got to beat the Browns or the Colts because those are the two teams that you're going to be going up head to head against in the standings. If there's a tiebreaker, and then you said in previous shows that nine and eight might not get it done. So yeah. if you're looking at a ten and seven record, the Raiders are six and five now. You know, four and two the rest of the way sounds like a good bet to get in the playoffs. I, I think that will get you in. Nine and eight kind of kinds of put kind of puts you at the mercy of these tiebreakers. And again, once you get those tiebreakers, it matters who you lost to, who you beat during the season. So they have to. I think it's mandatory that they have to win those games. Yeah, I mean, you look at the AFC right now. The Titans uh, at eight and three heading into action this week are the number one seed, followed by the Ravens, Patriots, and Chiefs. Uh, and then you go to the fifth uh, team is the Bengals. Of course, the Raiders lost to the Bengals, so they don't mm-hmm. own a head-to-head uh, with them. The Chargers are sixth, and the Bills are seventh, coming off their big win uh, on Thanksgiving as well against New Orleans. So you look at this, uh, and the, the Raiders at 6-5, and five, currently tied with Indianapolis uh, and Pittsburgh, for that kind of eight seed, which you got to get obviously into the top seven to get in the playoffs. Uh, and right below them, two teams are going to play. You just mentioned Cleveland, Denver, uh, and the Chiefs. I mean, the Raiders would have no way to to win the AFC West, to win the division, which has always been their stated goal as it should be. Uh, if they lose to the Chiefs again, they would have to go 3-0 and in the division to have the chance to win that. But you look at the team and how it's built, Mo, and, and coming off this win against Dallas, I'm not in any way trying to minimize what a great, great win this was for the team for coach rich Bisaccia and and the organization uh but there has not been a level of consistency since early in the season and so until the raiders can put two or three more wins together in a row it's going to be hard to buy in on whether or not they are a true contender or just a pretender so i'm just going to go with the glass half full uh, outlook here oh you had now, to didn't you they started off three I, I, yeah of course but they started <laughs> off three and oh then they ran into a rut, lost two games. They had the John Green resignation. Then they flipped it back and won two. Then, of course, the Henry Ruggs tragedy, lost three. And now I, I think they can use this Dallas Cowboys win as a springboard to get mm. back on the right track yep. and then be a winning team again. I think they can use that and they can say, look, we had a rough stretch. We've had some incidents off the field, some tra- a tragedy, lost our head coach. But we're still in it, and we have some momentum now. We beat a, a winning Dallas Cowboys team. I know Dallas didn't have CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, and that makes a difference. But you still won the game. You still won a close, tight game. And I think 
people sometimes don't like to buy into the momentum theory. They think it's, you know, abstract and doesn't exist. I think it does. Just knowing that you can win a football game against a decent team gives you the confidence to go back out there next week or the following week and say, we can win this game. We're not we're not completely offensively inept without Henry Ruggs, which is an argument that we can finally put to bed now. You can move the ball with, with the weapons that you have. It's just a matter of playing complimentary football. You, you can't give up a special team's kickoff return. Your defense has to tighten up a little bit. Run defense has to continue to play well. But if the offense just has a pulse, it doesn't have to be perfect. Derek Carr doesn't have to throw for close to 400 yards every game. But if the offense just has a pulse and you keep guys like Zay Jones and Deshaun Jackson and Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro, keep those guys involved, even if you don't have Darren Waller, you give yourself a fighting chance to get in the playoffs. And I think the Raiders have that. And I think they could possibly turn the corner starting at home in Washington. Yeah, and you agree 100%. And, and you're right. This this can be a turning point for them. Uh, but again, you have to see it. You know, they come out against Washington uh, at home. That's to me, again, we don't say must win games, but that's a game you got to have, right? It's a home game before you yep. hit the road for two tough uh, AFC games, one in the AFC West against the Chiefs, and then the Browns on the road. You got to win those two games. And then you look at the Colts, for example. The Colts have been one of the hottest teams in the NFL, uh, only losing to Tennessee back a few weeks ago on Halloween, I think it was, uh, in a very close game. But they have today Tampa Bay later this afternoon, or I should say this morning, and then they go to Houston and get a bye, a late season bye, which I think is a blessing for teams uh, to have a late season bye. Then they face New England. Then they're at Arizona before they play the Raiders. So, so the schedule for some of the other teams that the Raiders are vying against, uh, including um, Indianapolis and including Cleveland. Cleveland's got a pretty tough schedule uh, as well as they look at Baltimore, the Raiders, and Green Bay after that, after they play the Raiders on the 18th. So these teams all have rough roads, uh, and that's what tends to happen this time of the year, Mo, right? We're, we're now almost done with November, going to turn into December next week, and, and this is where the rubber meets the road. If you're a true playoff team, this is where you start to be consistent, where you start to win close games, where you don't come out, get blown out, and you don't come out and, and are unable to move the ball on offense or play defense. Yeah, I just want to make a quick point, and you just said it. At this point, post-Thanksgiving, this is where you get separation. This is where the playoff contenders emerge and the pretenders fade. And I think one common ingredient between all, all the playoff contenders that emerge at this point in the season, they all have an identity. And I'm not – the one thing that I do have concern with the Raiders, what is their identity on mm, offense now? Good point. Now, they had a scrappy win against against the Cowboys. They had, had some calls go their way. But Darren Waller is not right, and he has to sit out – what is their identity? Are they a run team? Are they a balanced team? Are they a passing heavy team? What what can we expect from the Raiders week in and week out? Because to me, those are the teams that win football games, teams that know themselves. They look, this is our formula. We can tweak it if need be, but this is our blueprint of winning football games. And I think the Raiders have to define that coming off their mini bye week. No question. And I think I think that's where you're going to see it. And look, They'll either do it or they won't. Um, you know, I, we, you and I have been very consistent from the beginning of the season going back to our first shows in August where we talked about we felt this team was a game above 500, right? Now, you're, you're, you're a play or two away from being one or two games above 500. I mean, that's, that's, that's the way the NFL works. As you said earlier in the show, it's a week-by-week -week league. And one week you can look terrible, as they did against the Chiefs or as they did against the Bengals, uh, unable to score points on offense, to being a team like they were today where they put up 36 points. I mean, good things happen for the Raiders, Mo, 
when they get above 30 points. Yeah, and at that point, because then your defense, you can, you know, you can depend on your defense. Now, I know the score is going to look a little bit skewed, but again, as I mentioned, they did give up a special teams touchdown, a kickoff return to Tony Pollard. So, yes, as long as the defense can stay steady and the offense can score 27, 28 points, the Raiders have a chance. The, the issue is they're, they're going to, and you mentioned it earlier, after Washington, it's basically division matchups and teams in the playoff hunt. Correct. So they have to button it up. They they can't have any more sloppy performances. They can't be searching for their identity. They can't be worried about you know how they're going to operate on offense when they come out. They have to know what they're going out there to do once they step on the field because these teams that are in, in the playoff hunt know. Like the Chiefs, we already know. Patrick Mahomes is the guy. The Browns, they're going to run the ball. They're a physical football team. The Denver Broncos have turned into a physical football team. The Colts, as you mentioned, physical football team. They run the ball hard. The Chargers are quarterback-centric with Justin Herbert. So we know what those teams are. When I, If someone were to ask me, well, what is the Raiders identity? I go, well, they're starting to get Deshaun Jackson, and Derek Carr <laughs> can have a good game here and there. They can run the ball a little bit. That's, that's not an identity. No. And it's like they have to kind of be scrappy, and I think the Raiders have to be that gritty, scrappy team if they're going to get in the playoffs because that seems to be their identity right now. Yeah, and a good example of that is the team I just spoke about a few minutes ago, which is the Indianapolis Colts. You know exactly what they are and what they're doing right. and how they're running the ball and how successful they're being. They have an MVP candidate, right? So, so I, I agree with you there. Mo, before we check out for the day, uh, and of course we have this this mini buy, and we'll be back next week to talk about an actual game, which we don't have this Sunday. Um, is is I don't know about you, and I know sometimes we we get into these echo chambers where we watch the game and we complain about certain things. But I was just so disgusted by the officiating in this game against the Cowboys. Mm. There were definitely penalties that deserved to be called, and sometimes games go that way where there's just a lot of penalties. They called a very, quote-unquote, ticky-tack close game, but there were also penalties that weren't called, or were called, I should say, that were just ridiculously, um, I think, ticky-tack. You're talking about 28 penalties for a total of 276 yards against these two teams. Both had teams had 14 penalties, some of them huge for the Cowboys, I think, more, more so than the Raiders. Um, but is this a problem, and does the NFL really care? Because we all tune in anyway. Yeah, someone tweeted me that the fishing has been bad all year. I've had my complaints about the taunting rule, but... I just think I this is when I watch a football game, and a lot of people say this, I don't watch it for the ticky tack refs, you know, enforcing every call. I, I want to see the players decide the, the outcome of these games. And I understand you gotta call some plays that are egregious. And I understand Raiders fans want a holding call on Max Crosby every play, but I don't want a football game like that. Like I, I want a game that's not ticky tack, not what we saw on Thursday. Uh, again, there's certain things where if a player holds onto a jersey, is holding, there's a defensive pass interference. You have to call that. I think the NFL cares about their product because they have loosened the rules to make it more offensive friendly, so to speak. You know, that's why you see in quarterbacks throw the ball over the field for 4,000, 4,500 yards. They do care about the product and how it looks. They don't want to, they don't want a bunch of nine, six games. Right. But they have to understand that fans, they don't want to see, as you said, 28 penalties for 276 yards either, especially not on Thanksgiving. They, no. have, they, have to, they have to get the rest in and say, look, let, let the guys play. If you have to call it and if it's clear, call it. But if you don't have to call it on a play, 
let it go. Yeah, and it extended the game, too. I mean, it made the game longer, which was, you know, the first right. half. I mean, Tony Romo and Jim Nance even joked about it coming back from the extended halftime, by the way, uh, that, that it seemed like two different games because that game seemed like an entire game in the first half because of all the penalties, <laughs> and I don't blame them. So, uh, but it's interesting. I just wanted to kind of talk to you about that one. All right, well, we are coming up here on the end of this show and I uh, want to thank you guys for, for being with us here and celebrating the Raiders' big win at Dallas 36-33. to And we'll be back, of course, next week. You can also listen to us down in Southern California on the Mightier 1090 Silver and Black tonight. That's every Friday night at 6 p.m. Pacific. Make sure you follow Mo on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully. Mo, I'm glad you guys had a great Thanksgiving out there in New York. I know you got a lot of work to do today with covering the rest of the NFL. I look forward to talking to you and being back with you again next week. Of course. And just, this is an open invite to everyone out there to our show. I still have some potato salad left. I can cool it off for you if you want it cool, but you know, I like my warm. Don't bother with Scott and his traditional turkey. Oh. I'll spice it up. I'll have some ham. I'll have some warm potato salad. i have some red velvet cake for you guys. The invite is open on the East Coast. Just hit me up on Twitter at Mo Moten. I got you. All right, Mo. So now I got to go eat leftovers because you got me hungry. <laughs> All right, for Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. Check out our website, silverandblacktonight.com. You can get all of the shows there as well as on your favorite podcast feed. For Mo, I'm Scott Branson. Thanks from everybody here at Odyssey. This has been Silver and Black Today Game Day, only on The Fan in Las Vegas.